The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. Thank you for joining Beside Still Waters podcast with Christian Javois. Beside Still Waters is the moment in our day when we seek stillness in God's presence, guidance from the Word of God, and grace to live by faith. This is the moment when we view horizontal living from the divine perspective. For the eyes of Jehovah run to and fro through the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of those whose heart is perfect toward him. Now here's today's message. We hope it will be a blessing. Welcome to Besides Still Waters once more. It's a pleasure to be with you. And we are going to be talking about the sower and the human heart. The sower and the human heart. This was a pivotal question that the disciples asked the Lord Jesus at the turning point of his Galilean ministry. Of course, there were great crowds following him. And uh, at one point in his ministry, he pronounced judgments on some of the cities that saw his great works and did not repent. It wasn't a change of heart, mind, of living. And uh, at this turning point, at this juncture, he began uh, to teach in parables uh, to the extent that the disciples even recognized that there was a change. Uh, There was a turning, a a new direction in his ministry. Uh, And I believe that it necessitated a change on their part because we are told uh, in, of course, three of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, that uh, where these men accounted for uh, this parable. But uh, the disciples came to him in Matthew 13, for example, and they said to him, why do you speak to them in parables? So they recognized that perhaps the response of the people or this shift in the approach of the Lord's teaching necessitated that question. Why do you speak to them in parables? And that question is directed to you and me as well, because what we are going to learn, hopefully, is as they saw a change in the response of the audience, they were also going to learn about the purposes of God for the scripture, or in this case, for the approach of teaching by parables. Now, uh, in that same conversation, privilege is presented to these men because the Lord Jesus says, it is given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. So what is being uncovered before our very eyes are matters that are in heaven clearly understood. But when these matters are translated and taught on earth, it becomes a mystery. It's difficult to know, to ascertain the hidden meaning. 
And what we recognize is that it was the disciples that came to Jesus. There was an open door, an abiding life. These men walked, talked, lived with the Lord Jesus, ate with, heard him. Uh, they had an intimate uh, connection with him for three plus years. Uh, we would call it the abiding life, the life of devotion. There are very, there are a few terms that are used to uh, explain uh, the life of the Christian, the life of the devotee, of the disciple, and what it means to be uh, to use the uh, the uh, terminology that's common among Christians to walk with God, which simply means to have an abiding relationship where the uh, awareness and presence of God becomes normative in the Christian life. It becomes part and parcel of what the Christian life is all about. There's an abiding life. The Lord Jesus spent some time on this in um, John chapter 15, and he likens it to the relationship of a branch to a vine. Okay, there was a, con a vital connection within which the life of the vine flowed to the branches and the outgrowth of that was fruit. Not only that, but there was uh, responsibility as well because uh, the Lord Jesus said in that same conversation, uh, he began to explain uh, the... the um, the importance of the responsibility, the expectation that comes with this uh, abiding life. He says, for example, it is given to them to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them, that is to the audience, the masses, it was not given. Now, you would think that God is being arbitrary. But he says, the Lord Jesus goes on to say that whoever has to him shall be given. And that person shall be caused to be in abundance. But he who has not, even what he has, shall be taken away from him. And that seems to be uh, counterintuitive. But it really isn't. Uh, the Lord Jesus, um, we'll see later on, that he presented a parable of, of a stewardship and that to the, this man, who, of course, had the resources, gave to three of his servants uh, of his resources, and there was the expectation that they would use and manage these resources to cause these resources to increase. And a day of accounting was assigned, and that day... Uh, they stood before their master, if you will, and uh, he examined what was given and what was um, increased. And to those who had increased, uh, they received blessing. More was given. But then there was one unfaithful servant who took the talent, if you will, uh, the resource, and buried it. And this incurred the displeasure of the master, and when he was uh, challenged as to why he used this approach, 
He acknowledged that he knew that uh, his master was uh, an exacting man, a demanding man, a man who had expectations that his investments would reap dividends. And so he buried it. He did the very opposite of what the knowledge of his master should have spurred him to do. And even what he had, that one talent, that was taken from him. And so the Lord Jesus alludes to a very similar thought to you and me, and of course to his hearers of that day, that they are expected, they are given something. And there is an expectation, a responsibility that they're going to do something with this. And neglect will not be excused. And so there's responsibility. It is expected that there's a response that garners blessing or loss. There has to be a point of action. And that's what we're going to learn a little bit about the sower and the human heart. And we will devote uh, maybe two or three podcasts to this very subject because it is of vital importance as uh, it all is. And, and more so for those of us who uh, endeavor to walk with God, to be in his presence, to abide beside still waters. That's a reminder to our hearts that we are walking with God. We are seeking a vital connection with God that results in Christ being magnified in our lives. Now, there are some contrasting relationships. We see that the crowds were gathered, as, they, as is often the case when the Lord Jesus was teaching, so much so that he had to go in a boat and, and sort of push off on the shore so he can speak to them. And in this soup of people are a variety of hearts in various states of spiritual health or lack thereof. And the sower that refers to himself, and our Lord Jesus is so humble that he just calls himself a sower. In fact, he did not even allude to himself as the sower. But he's, the, the sower is in the boat teaching the people, using a communication style that sifts them out. His style of conveying truth. Sometimes we think it is intended to reach everyone and bring everyone in. But what is often the case, and we will see that there are parallels in the Old Testament. Uh, whenever the Spirit of God, through the prophets, referred to a remnant. Uh, for example, when uh, the northern kingdom had gone astray after idols, serving Baal. There was always a remnant, a small percentage of the masses that remained faithful to Jehovah. And God is always looking for that. People will say, well, God wants to reach, you know, and the Lord Jesus does want to reach the whole world. But he knows that that's not going to happen. 
We learned earlier in one of our previous podcasts about, you know, the prophets and their lifestyles and what they point to, a Broadway and many that are on this Broadway that ultimately leads to their destruction, but a narrow way that's fraught with challenge, temptation, and trial. It's a narrow way. It's a straightened path, not straight in the sense of going in one direction, but straightened in the sense that it's constraining. And there are challenges there, but it leads to life. So God is always mindful of the fact that with many of us, with the whole world, there's always going to be a small percentage who are literally living their lives in the presence of God and walking with God. That is the, the spiritual reality of it. And what we're going to see is that with these uh, uh, crowds, with this crowd, he begins really to sift them out. And the disciples are going to learn something about the hearts that comprise the crowds of people. And what does he use? Parables. Similitudes. These are, are earthly examples that, that illustrate a specific truth. Human life events that are embedded, that have embedded in them heavenly mysteries. Human life events with heavenly mysteries embedded in them. And so when you and I are pondering this parable of the sower, we need to be mindful that there's a lesson for all of us. And one of the key takeaways is I'm going to see my heart. You are going to see your heart. That is the objective. See, find yourself in the narrative. In verse 14, thereabouts of the same chapter 13 of Matthew's gospel, Jesus said that in them, that is in this, in, in, in this circumstance that you're now seeing as I'm teaching the crowds in parables, Isaiah's prophecy 700 plus years before is now coming to pass in this very moment. We learn something new about the nature of God. You know, we look at, at the, the scriptures and say, well, it's just a book. It's more than that. God has sworn himself and commits himself to bring the things that are written in it to pass. He has to. Why? Because the personages in heaven are fully aware of the utterances of God, and he is morally bound to bring it to pass. It's got to happen, or else God will be made to be a liar. And we are told that it is impossible for God to lie. And so in verse uh, 14, uh, you know, Jesus says that, that to his disciples that, what Isaiah prophesied is happening before your very eyes. That these people will hear and not hear. And they won't understand. They're going to see. But they can't see. They can't perceive the message because they're not seeing with their hearts. You say, well, how can a person see with their hearts? You'll have to go back to previous podcasts. That's what we use. That is the mechanism divinely placed in us. Our inner core. 
the seat of consciousness, not the physical eyes or the cognitive ability of, of the human mind. It is the core of being, the heart. That is how we see. It's like the blind men that followed Jesus. <laughs> they followed him to the house. They were blind. <laughs> but they were seeing quite clearly with the eyes of their hearts. And he says, for this people, their hearts have grown fat. They've heard heavily. They've closed their eyes as though they're asleep. Now, that's an interesting analogy that, that our Lord Jesus is pointing out because the objective of the parable is for you to see yourself. But the very mechanisms that enable power of perception will not be useful in, these mir- in, in, in understanding these mysteries. It's not a cognitive approach. You won't understand it by the exercise of the mind. It is the heart. It is your heart and mind that has to be healthy, in a healthy state to extract the gem of the meaning. And my dear friend, if you and I have hearts that cannot see, then this is the critical point at which we pause right now. Pause this podcast and lift your heart heavenward and ask God to heal your heart. Heal me so that I might apprehend the very objective for which God has apprehended me for the very purpose for this moment that God might speak to me in a way that I would be able to perceive his voice necessitates that I ask for healing, a healed heart. In the physical world, when you have a fatty heart, you have a heart that's plagued with a condition called atherosclerosis. Atherosclerosis. It's a deposition of fatty plaques on the inner walls of the arteries. And when this accumulates to the point where blood cannot flow, it causes a myriad of uh, physical problems, ailments. And spiritually... These listeners have rendered their souls callous or unresponsive to Jesus' teaching. Their hearts, their innermost being cannot absorb in the same way that a a human heart plagued with atherosclerosis is unable to properly assimilate nutrients from the blood because uh, the inner walls of the arteries are now diseased. And so when you go to the doctor and he says, you know, I'm so sorry, but you're, you're suffering from a condition called atherosclerosis, he now has to prescribe medicines, a change of diet, uh, uh, take measures that changes the, in, the inner environment. You know, on a side note, a light note, you know, uh, a vegan diet probably would go much further <laughs> than changing the environment. But I digress. But spiritually, the listeners were rendered callous 
and unresponsive to Jesus' teaching. And therefore, the, the embedded meaning could not be absorbed. And with us and our world, this is the problem. Human hearts have lost the capacity to perceive. The hearts of devotees have lost the capacity to perceive. And we will find in, in this sower and the relationship to the human heart, many have said, well, it's those who were pagans. I wouldn't be so quick to draw that conclusion. We will see uh, in future podcasts. But the problem statement here is that heavenly mysteries and their intended benefit can only be extracted by a healthy heart. I repeat, the problem statement that we are addressing is heavenly mysteries, the human stories with the heavenly message embedded in it, and their intended benefit to the person, the devotee, the disciple, and if need be the pagan, can only be extracted by a healthy heart. In fact, Proverbs uh, 4 and 23 says, uh, exhorts us to guard our hearts with all diligence. In other words, you had better set a garrison around that heart, set your soldiers up around your heart. You need to be very careful about what's coming into the heart, for out of it, Solomon says, flow the issues of life. That which will impact your entire life springs forth from the heart. It is with the heart truth is extracted. We see that in verse 15 of Matthew 13. It is with the heart that the parallel of heavenly truth and earthly events is seen. You cannot, I cannot, it is impossible to extract the heavenly meaning if one's heart is not healthy. It's impossible. And it necessitates a crying out to God in that moment. Give me a healthy heart. Heal me. I want to be able to grasp, to apprehend the purpose of God for my life. It is with the heart that this idiom that Jesus is using, parables, blossoms in the understanding because the hearer sees themselves as God sees them. And having now seen themselves, regeneration is executed. It takes place. There is a rebirth, as Jesus told Nicodemus. In order for a man to either enter or see the kingdom of God, he must be born again, regenerated, started again from a new source, a new beginning. And this, he told him, is the work of the Spirit of God to not only heal the heart and, and open the understanding and command light to shine in the understanding when the person says, I see it, I understand, I see myself. And having seen myself, what is needful can now be addressed. So we've, we've looked at the heart conditions but the desired moment 
<laughs> and I want you to pay attention to this. In verse 16 and 17, Jesus, in speaking to the disciples, and remember, Judas was there, so it was meant for him too. And perhaps if he had embraced it, his end would have been totally different. But this, this is the, the, the pivotal moment. This is the pinnacle of walking with God. And Jesus says, blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. So clearly all of the disciples got the message. They extracted, they extracted the heavenly meaning, the purpose that God intended when he embedded in these earthly stories and similitudes, this key heavenly mystery and message. He says, For truly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men have desired to see the things that you see, and they didn't see it, and to hear the things which you hear, and they didn't hear it. And we vicariously, through the pages of holy writ, are also seeing and hearing the things which men in the, and women in the Old Testament, they could only, like mountain peaks, see it afar off, but they didn't get it. And we are now in the position and in the place in walking with God to enjoy and embrace and profit from this sacred moment. Jesus is saying something to us that I, I urge you, do not let the import of this escape you. The moment you and I pause from our busy lives and come into God's presence, into the closet, Matthew 6, and shut the door behind us and there Deign to meet with the living God of heaven and earth, the Almighty, the Jehovah of hosts, the Infinite One. That moment when his word and his presence is opened to us is something that prophets of old, Daniel and, and uh, Jehoshaphat and, 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 and David, all these men that we revere when we look at their lives and spiritual accomplishments, they longed for this very moment in Jesus' presence. And here we are, indwelt by the Spirit of God, the Spirit of the Son of His love, living in us, opening the Scriptures, illumining the pages that we might be able to apprehend the very purposes of God in our lives. They wanted this. And God has granted it to you and me. Oh, my friend, do not... Because of neglect, allow this sacred privilege to escape you. Oh, don't, don't let it go. Don't let it slip through your fingers like sand on a beach. And so when the disciples asked him, why do you speak to them in, in parables? And by implication, not us, meaning he's not speaking to the disciples in parables, he's explaining to them, this access to God is the supreme moment in a disciple's life. Access to and, and dwelling in and walking with God is the pinnacle of all spiritual pursuits because that experience 
ongoing, fostered, enjoyed, and, and perpetrated within one's life is what makes people see Christ in you. It is what magnifies the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ in your life and mine. This cannot be done by lip. It has to be done by heart, devotion, and submission to the living God in our lives. And so when we we hear the, the catchphrase, to walk with God beside still waters. It is simply God's given opportunity and gift, a bestowal to know God's preserved secrets that are hallowed in heaven, but when presented on earth, they are presented as enigmas. The confidences which are known in heaven but are packaged in earthly stories, and God intended that only the healed, healthy heart will be able to extract its sacred meaning. And this is obtained in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ only. This supreme moment that every disciple has, this privilege, this pinnacle of all spiritual pursuits, can only be obtained and understood in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ only. Pro- prophets and, and righteous men wanted to see what they and we are beholding. And now, by virtue of the indwelling Holy Spirit, the sacred enigmas of heaven are made known on earth. In fact, this is what the Lord Jesus says in John 14 and verse 17. And as I said to you, we, in future podcasts, we're going to learn you know, certainly a lot more about uh, these four types of hearts and, and, and the interplay with the word of God and, and the sower. But in John 14 at around verse 17, the Lord Jesus in teaching his disciples, simply said concerning the Holy Spirit that the the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it doesn't see him nor know him. But he says, but you know him. Now imagine that. The third person of the Trinity indwelling us. The Lord Jesus says, you know him. So I ask you, my friend, do you know him? Now, please don't misunderstand. I am not advocating uh, 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 a response that 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 is driven by uh, a need for uh, a charismatic char- charismatic evidences. It's not the point of what I'm making here. The question I'm asking is: Is there a vital relationship such that one is aware of and see and experience the working, the transformation of the Spirit of God in one's life? Jesus says, he abides with you, that is with them, and shall be in you as he is in us. He abides with you and shall be in you. Now, we don't know if they recognize that, but certainly after the coming of the Spirit of God in Acts chapter 2, it was clear that they now had a vital relationship, a walk with God. And this is the privilege of the Christian. One of the intended purposes of this very specific parable concerning the conditions of the human heart 
and the interplay with the word of God is that the sower ultimately wants the seed to fall on good ground. The conditions uh, within a human being who is uh, has exercised faith in the uh, work of the Lord Jesus Christ to the extent that the word of God now begins to germinate and, and bear fruit. It goes deeper into the human being. Uh, and remember, we're, we are eternal creatures clothed in a human body having uh, a spiritual experience, <laughs> okay? We are going to live forever. <laughs> so guess what? There's a depth to us that the word of God can penetrate and change and transform us. But this is a privilege and the purpose of the Spirit of God. So the Lord Jesus begins now to open this parable. And we're not going to address it fully here, but we're just going to, at a very high level, touch on it. And you'll find it in Matthew chapter 13, in Mark chapter 4, and Luke chapter 8. And as I mentioned, our successive podcast will be an examination of the human heart. An examination also of the expressed purpose of the God-breathed word, the scriptures, the teachings of our Lord Jesus, the interplay between both of these elements and the ultimate effect on the will, life, and quality of that life. We are going to see why people respond, think, and experience as they do when it comes to hearing and being impacted by the Word of God. We're going to learn why our lives reflect the choices made and God, by virtue of his sovereignty, delivers according to these choices. In fact, we are told, in, for example, in Proverbs, that as a man thinks in his heart, so is he, as, as Solomon is giving instructions to Rehoboam, his son. As a man thinks in his heart, the purposes and decisions and, and intentions of the human heart are born out in the life. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. It shapes the character. It shapes the choices. It shapes the actions. And what does God do? He responds to those thoughts, words, actions, decisions, and hands to us the results. In fact, we are also told, and this just came to me in the scriptures, that God is not mocked. You can't make a fool out of God. As a man sows, so also shall he reap. Here, here you know, the, we have spiritual uh, principles that run parallel with principles in nature. You throw a seed, you know, a whole handful of tomato seeds on the earth and you, you know, let them sit there. You could throw water on them or, you know, rain comes and you forget about them for days. And lo and behold, in that area now are seedlings. And what's going to come up are tomato plants. But here's the catch. You might have thrown 20 or 30 seeds in that place. You are about to reap hundreds of seeds. <laughs> As a man sows, so also shall he reap. And typically we reap in far greater measure than we have sown. Therefore, we have to be very careful. But uh, let's, let's just 
sort of come to the end of this. So the heart reflects the choices made and God delivers according to these choices. And one of the hearts is the heart that did not understand. A heart that did not understand and therefore rejects what was heard without asking for understanding. And, and that's, the, that's the germ of this. It, the person never asked for understanding. We are told in James chapter 1, verse 5, that if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Do you lack wisdom? Then ask, my friend. Is there a low supply? God promises it shall be given. Are you doubtful? You'll never get an answer. But are you fully expecting God to answer? Then guess what the Spirit of God promises? It will be given and liberally so. And what we're going to find in this first heart that didn't understand is that there are influences by the principalities and powers that are against us. The heart, the human heart, is porous in nature. It's like a house with a door on every side of the house. And you've got to be watchful because the enemy of our souls is intending to get into that house and snatch away that precious commodity. And then there are other hearts that has elevated self on the throne of that life. And the only way self can be toppled off of the throne is by trouble, testing, persecution, which only reveal, if you will, the driving reins reveals that this person is consumed with self-preservation. They've essentially built a house on sand. And the reins came as compared to the neighbor who built his house on the rock. <laughs> and the rains came. Both of them were affected by the rains. The storms of life will come. The pressures associated with, the circumstances associated with your and my allegiance to, affinity to, embracing of the truths of Scripture bring with it a certain amount of pressure, fire, difficulty. And very often that difficulty reveals if that house is founded on rock or sand. And then there's the heart, the heart that is consumed by avarice and is distressed because of plans that have gone adrift and that are inert, never coming to fruition. Thus revealing the conflicting desires that render the spiritual life fruitless. It initiates a certain amount of listlessness in the spiritual life. It creates disharmony in relationships, both with people and with God. A heart consumed by avarice. You know, James had some strong words. Uh, you know, when you read the book of James, you, you know, you've got to... You've got to take uh, Excedrin <laughs> because you're going to get a little bit of a headache. I mean, he, he drives certain issues home with such clarity and, and pointedness. But he says to them in chapter 4, you lust and you have not because you don't ask. 
You don't go before God asking. You're desiring things. He says, you kill and are full of envy. I mean, those are strong words. Because you can't get the very thing that you're hungering for. And he says, you have not because you don't ask. There's a prayerlessness. There's a lack of devotion, a failure to find and enjoy and be in God's presence. And so he says, you ask and you receive not because you ask evilly. (laughs) The intent, the purpose for which you're asking is for you to consume it as a selfish lust. And, and I want to say that very often when you see that term lust used in the scriptures, it just simply means, you know, strong desire. You can have good strong desires or bad strong desires. In this case, in James, in his uh, rebuke of Christians in the Asia Minor area, he's simply telling them that your strong desires are for things that are not good or for things that you can only consume as your personal selfish objective. And then lastly, of course, is the human heart that hungers for the presence and filling of the Spirit of God. God accomplishing his intended purpose, that is, growth, and the presence and filling of the Spirit of God, accomplishing his purpose, fruitage. And so, my friends, when we, we're going to pause in God's presence, We're going to quiet our hearts beside still waters and ask God as we ponder the condition of our heart that we might know and see ourselves and asking God for wisdom. Help me, please. Heal my heart that I might see what you have for me to apprehend. What is your purpose for my life? Help me to find it and live it with vigor and focus, and joyfully so. Oh, my friends, let us ask God to do in us what he can do by his Spirit, so that as we walk with him beside still waters, Christ would be magnified in us. Thank you for joining Beside Still Waters podcast with Christian Javois. Beside Still Waters is the quiet moment in the stillness of God's presence to receive guidance, light, and grace to live by faith. I hope you've been helped and encouraged to press on living for the glory of God. It has been a pleasure and a privilege to connect with you on this podcast. To stay connected, please follow Christian Javois on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thanks for tuning in, and we will see you on the next podcast of Beside Still Waters.